Greetings, you're listening to podcast number 120 of Blast the Right. I'm your host, Jack Clark. Great to have you on board. Today, I'm going to explain the financial mess that's dominating the news and then give you the evidence for the not unexpected bottom line. Right-wing ideology and policy are to blame. I've sent along as a separate item in this feed a great political cartoon that fits in perfectly with today's show. You'll also hear about an action alert in my closing comments. Let's get right into it. Sources you'll hear include the Associated Press, the New York Times, FoxNews.com, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, and Forbes.com. The common thread you'll see running through everything that follows is that right-wing ideology and policies create problems, right-wing ideology and policies offer no effective solutions for the problems they create. In direct contrast, progressive ideology and policies prevent problems, and progressive ideology and policies offer effective solutions for the problems created by right-wing ideology and policies. Here's the roadmap for the journey. Some background you need to know. What caused the current crisis? what needs to be done to fix things up, exposing the phony right-wing solution, and the death of the free market. So to start off with, some background. You probably know about the 1929 stock market crash that's widely credited with causing the Great Depression. Many economists, however, say that a more important cause was a series of runs on banks in 1930 and 1931. Americans lost confidence in the financial system, tried to get their money out, and couldn't, and the process just fed on itself, creating a downward spiral. The lesson learned was that financial markets have to be regulated and supervised to prevent massive economic failure. As part of FDR's New Deal, Congress set up just such a regulatory apparatus to both prevent abuses and provide a safety net for the financial system. Quote, America came out of the Great Depression with a pretty effective financial safety net based on a fundamental quid pro quo. The government stood ready to rescue banks if they got in trouble, but only on the condition that those banks accept regulation of the risks they were allowed to take. Close quote. The banks being regulated back then were commercial banks, the kind you and I use for checking and savings accounts and other services. Of less importance back in the 30s were investment banks. Investment banks do things like underwrite stock offerings and trade bond stocks and other financial instruments. The investment banks were left unregulated. It's these investment banks which are the cause of so much of the problem now. But I'm jumping ahead of myself. The New Deal regulatory scheme worked. Recessions since World War II have been less frequent and of shorter duration. That's good for you and me. Unfortunately, in recent decades, especially since Ronald Reagan took office, a right-wing anti-regulatory frenzy has increasingly been the rule. Claiming free market efficiency as their goal, quote, Congress and presidents of both parties repealed key protections put in place by the New Deal. The main effect has been to engineer windfall profits for financial insiders, replace real productive innovation with financial engineering, shift wealth from families to corporations, and put the entire American economy at ever greater risk, close quote. 
one of the major actions took place under Bill Clinton when Congress overwhelmingly voted to repeal the New Deal-era Glass-Steagall Act, which regulated commercial banks. The ethos of that entire era was epitomized a few years later by a, quote, 2003 photo op in which officials from multiple agencies used pruning shears and chainsaws to chop up stacks of banking regulations. The occasion symbolized the shared determination of Bush appointees to suspend adult supervision just as the financial industry was starting to run wild. Close quote. Even as late as 2006, the mandatory, anti-regulatory, free-market-as-God belief system wielded considerable power. Representative Barney Frank of Massachusetts is known for his quick wit and sharp tongue. Yet even he was intimidated. He recently said that, When I first became chairman, I was a little daunted by the anti-regulatory view that held sway. It truly looked like in the regulatory arena, Roosevelt is dead! His policies may live on, but we're in the process of doing something about that as well. But just so you know, not everyone was on board. Some politicians still maintained a progressive outlook. At the time of the debate over repeal of the Glass-Steagall Act, North Dakota Democratic Senator Byron Dorgan warned, I think we'll look back in 10 years' time and say we shouldn't have done this, but did because we forgot the lessons of the past, and that that which is true in the 1930s is true in 2010. I wasn't around during the 1930s, but I was here in the early 1980s when it was decided to allow the expansion of savings and loans. We've now decided, in the name of modernization, to forget the lessons of the past, of safety and soundness. Now there's a guy with some foresight. Okay, there's your background. Up next, how did the current crisis come about? Your one-minute voting report. Here's a recent right-wing one-star sabotage review on iTunes. A bigger idiot you will not find. I'm an independent, and I wanted to hear what the left has to say about politics. But this guy is just a typical left-wing Kool-Aid drinker. If that's what you're into, then go for it. Otherwise, it's just drivel. If you haven't done so already, how about writing a five-star review for Blast the Right in iTunes to counter the right-wing ones like you just heard? You do it through the iTunes software, not the website. Doing so helps spread the progressive word as Blast the Right gets more visibility. Over at Podcast Alley, they fix the voting, so please go over there and vote this month to keep Blast the Right in the top ten. iTunes is only a one-time thing, but at Podcast Alley, they start the voting anew each month. Thanks. What you're reading and hearing and seeing in the media right now is a complicated mess. A huge malfunctioning machine with a million moving parts. I'm going to break it down for you. The disaster has been caused by the right-wing induced deregulation frenzy I described earlier, combined with, again, a right-wing failure to use the regulatory tools remaining and a right-wing refusal to craft new regulatory tools suitable for a new generation of hyper-complex financial activities. These failures occurred in two overall areas. 
the mortgage industry, and in the so-called derivatives markets. You've undoubtedly heard of the subprime mortgage debacle and probably already understand that a subprime mortgage is one granted to a person who would normally not qualify to get a mortgage. With no regulatory mechanism mining the store, as a result of right-wing policies, subprime mortgages were handed out willy-nilly, enticingly offered with low initial rates. Everyone acted as if housing prices would continue rising forever. But housing prices, as you know, started to decline. At about the same time, the initial low rates changed into much higher ones under terms of the complicated agreements that many people taking out the mortgages didn't even understand. So millions of new homeowners are now threatened with default. Many of them have already lost their homes. Now, this situation would ordinarily cause some concern in the financial world, but doesn't by itself account for the, as a columnist put it, civilization-ending words of panic you've been hearing. No, the civilization-ending words of panic relate to a wonderful new financial product Wall Street invented, called derivatives. Derivatives are linked to mortgages or other financial instruments, like a corporation's bonds. The investment institutions made humongous bets in these derivatives, and there's the rub. Now, I'm not going to try to explain in any detail how these derivatives work. That's way beyond my pay grade, and as you'll hear in a bit, beyond the pay grade of even those who are making all these multi-million dollar bets on them. I'll just briefly explain now why two kinds of these derivatives created such a problem. First is the type of derivative used with the subprime mortgages. It's called a collateralized debt obligation, or CDO. Just a minute or so about these. Be assured you don't have to remember that name or even the initials after the podcast is over to be able to talk about this issue with your friendly local right-winger. Basically, CDOs are created when you slice mortgages into pieces and then bundle various pieces of various mortgages into a single investment, the CDO. These CDOs are sold all over the world. Investors also use what's called leverage in an attempt to massively increase their returns. You can make an investment, purchase a financial instrument like a derivative, with only a small fraction of the total cost and borrow the rest. Leverage can increase your profits a lot, but it also makes it real easy to lose money and lose lots of it. So when the subprime loan defaults started, all these heavily leveraged investment banks and hedge funds were in big trouble with their CDOs. Quote, this toxic combination, the ubiquity of bad investments and their potential to mushroom, has shocked Wall Street, close quote. To show they had enough real assets to cover their subprime derivative losses, Wall Street firms started to hoard cash, not lend it. This hurts solid borrowers, and in turn that hurts the economy as a whole. It also engenders more Wall Street fears, and thus becomes a self-perpetuating cycle. As one writer put it, a vicious circle of financial contraction. Doesn't sound good, does it? Not a pretty picture. Hang in there, won't you, for the juicy stuff coming right up.
There's a Vietnam vet with a cardboard sign Sitting there by the left turn line A flag on his wheelchair flapping in the breeze One leg missing and both hands free No one's paying much mind to him The VA budget's just stretched so thin And there's more coming back from the Mideast War We can't make it here anymore That big old building was a textile mill It fed our kids and it paid our bills But they turned us out and they closed the doors We can't make it here anymore You see those pallets piled up on the loading dock As I was just saying, you've got the leveraged betting on CDOs creating havoc. And then there's another type of derivative investment vehicle called a credit default swap. These are contracts which, quote, act like insurance policies designed to cover losses to banks and bondholders when companies fail to pay their debts, close quote. Apparently, that entire credit default swap market is also threatening a meltdown. So you may be wondering by this point, was no one in charge? No? No one was in charge. As New York Times columnist Paul Krugman explains, what Wall Street essentially did was create a shadow banking system that functioned like the wild, wild west. No sheriff, no government, no laws. The shadow banking system, quote, relied on complex financial arrangements to bypass regulations designed to ensure that banking was safe. As the years went by, the shadow banking system took over more and more of the banking business. Close quote. The amounts of money involved are mind-boggling. In just the market of one type of derivative, the credit default swap I just briefly described, $45.5 trillion are at stake. Yes, I said trillion. That amount is 500 times as much as was the case in 2001. $45.5 trillion is close to the entire amount of wealth in private hands in the entire nation. What has startled me the most in all this, and may you as well, is how even those making multi-billion dollar investments in these derivatives don't understand them. Believe it or not, Wall Street firms hired newly minted PhDs in, quote, physics and other mathematical disciplines to design them. And complicated these new financial products were, to say the least. Listen to this. Even the people running Wall Street firms didn't really understand what they were buying and selling, says Byron Wien, a 40-year veteran of the stock market who is now the chief investment strategist of Pequot Capital, a hedge fund. Alan Blinder, the former Fed vice chairman, holds a doctorate in economics from MIT, but says he has only a modest understanding of complex derivatives. I know the basic understanding of how they work, he said, but if you presented me with one and asked me to put a market value on it, I'd be guessing. Close quote. Summing up the shadow banking system, quote, it's a stealth market that relies on trades conducted by phone between Wall Street dealer desks away from open securities exchanges. How much changes hands or who holds what is ultimately unknown to analysts, investors, and regulators. 
Credit rating agencies, which banks paid to grade some of the new products, slapped high ratings on many of them, despite having only a loose familiarity with the quality of the assets behind these instruments. Close quote. I don't know if derivatives are Einstein-level stuff or more Rube Goldberg, Franz Kafka territory. If you're old enough or have seen a rerun, do you remember that Three Stooges episode where they're working as plumbers? <laughs> Mo, Larry, and Curly, as you would expect, are whacking each other upside the head with pipes, tools, and whatnot. Oh, look! You bent the chisel! I'll straighten that. <laughs> but really germane here is that by the end of the episode, if you can picture this, the three of them have imprisoned themselves in a maze of pipes. I'm a victim of circumstance! Got it? This also came to mind. If you're familiar with classic comedy, even before the Three Stooges, you'll be able to envision in your mind's eye this signature line from Laurel and Hardy that Ollie would say to Stan at least once each episode. Well, here's another nice mess you've gotten me into. Can you not imagine shell-shocked Bear Stearns big shots so accusing each other? Okay, back to being serious. There were lone voices warning about all this. For example, billionaire investor Warren Buffett. He said in 2003 that derivatives were potential weapons of mass destruction. Unfortunately, the right-wing dogmatic view prevailed, exemplified by former Fed chairman Alan Greenspan. Greenspan, quote, for years praised the growth in the derivatives markets as a boon for market stability and resisted calls to use the Fed's power to increase regulation of the mortgage market. Close quote. As a grace note here, it's becoming apparent that crooked accounting firms are implicated in this mess. Quote, email messages uncovered in the investigation showed that some KPMG auditors raised red flags about the accounting practices at New Century, but that the KPMG partners overseeing the audits rejected those concerns because they feared losing a client, close quote. Shades of Enron. And speaking of Enron, remember those two energy trading guys laughing it up about ripping off the public? So, so the rumor's true? They're taking all the money back from you guys? All the money you guys stole from those poor grandmothers of California? <laughs> yeah, Grandma Millie, man. But she's the one who couldn't figure out how to vote on the butterfly ballot. But yeah, now she wants her money back for the power you charged right up, jammed right up her for $250 a megawatt hour. <laughs> 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 uh, you know Grandma Millie, she's the one that I'm fighting for. You know such thinking isn't isolated. It's in all industries. There are bad apples everywhere, and many who go along and turn a blind eye, and others who actively collude. The salient point is, oversight and regulation is necessary whether to rein in nefarious players like the Enron guys, the Predators, or those who, Three Stooge-like, dive in in a headlong rush to invest billions while blinded by greed to the folly of what they're doing. So, what needs to be done according to progressive ideology, and what are the right-wingers proposing to do about all this? Stay tuned. We had a bundle in the treasury drawer more than there had ever been before But every day we're drowning deeper in debt Maybe four years should be all you get Then you gave tax breaks to the millionaires 
And you tried to make the working man pay But you can't tax a man when his job's not there Now look at where we are today Hey, I'm taking my country back Son, you ain't been doing her right Oh, I've been watching you and I don't like This is what needs to be done according to various proposals by progressive economists and statements from Democratic lawmakers. On the subprime front, on a micro level, provide relief to homeowners. On the financial system as a whole front, the macro level, quote, rein in practices that have been linked to the housing and mortgage crisis, like packaging risky subprime mortgages into securities carrying the highest ratings. Investment banks and other lightly regulated institutions that now compete with commercial banks should be subject to similar regulation, including examiners who regularly pour over their books and demand changes in their practices. And institute tighter rules over the vast and largely unregulated markets for risk sharing and hedging, like credit default swaps. Close quote. The logic is, according to former Treasury Secretary Robert Rubin, not someone who I usually quote approvingly, his logic is that if they're gonna count on being rescued like commercial banks, Wall Street companies need to be regulated like commercial banks. A quid pro quo. Progressives want to avoid policies which stifle innovation, but we also want to avoid dangerous practices which threaten the stability not only of the U.S. economy, but of the entire world. Now, on the helping subprime borrowers front, the Bush administration may well be forced to provide some relief, as this headline the other day indicates. Homeowners please put GOP lawmakers in bind on defaults. Even so, you can rest assured, as past is prologue, that whatever aid numbers the Democrats put up, the Bush administration will try to cut them significantly back. More germane to this podcast, how does the plan just offered this week by the Bush administration on overall financial system reform stack up? It's a dismal failure. It does none of the things necessary. It doesn't clean up the mortgage industry. It doesn't regulate the non-commercial bank institutions on a regular basis. And it doesn't control the shadow banking system. Why the dismal failure? Because the Bush plan, surprise, surprise, is based on right-wing dogma. Quote, The Bush administration is proposing the broadest overhaul of Wall Street regulations since the Great Depression, but the plan has its genesis in a year-long effort to limit Washington's role in the market, and that DNA is unmistakably evident in the fine print. Although the proposal would impose the first regulation of hedge funds and private equity funds, that oversight would have a light touch, enabling the government to do little beyond collecting information, except in times of crisis. The regulatory umbrella created in the 1930s would grow wider, with power concentrated in fewer agencies. But that authority would be limited, doing virtually nothing to regulate the many new financial products whose unwise use has been a culprit in the current financial crisis. Close quote. And it's even worse. Some parts of the plan would even reduce regulation by, quote, allowing stock exchanges greater leeway to regulate themselves and streamlining the approval of new products, even allowing automatic approval of securities products that are being traded in foreign markets, close quote. Wow. The right-wing position is summed up by Treasury Secretary Paulson in his speech this week. 
Here are the two relevant excerpts. I do not believe it is fair or accurate to blame our regulatory structure for the current market turmoil. I am not suggesting that more regulation is the answer, or even that more effective regulation can prevent the periods of financial market stress that seem to occur every five to ten years. In direct contrast is the reply to Paulson by Senator Charles Schumer of New York. He said, quote, The unregulated corners of our economy did much to contribute to the meltdown in our housing market and the accompanying spillover to our financial markets. The administration's deregulation, above all else, attitude helped cause the problems we now face. Close quote. Barack Obama admitted and condemned past bipartisan financial skullduggery, then added, Instead of establishing a 21st century framework, we simply dismantled the old one, aided by a legal but corrupt bargain in which campaign money all too often shaped policy and watered-down oversight. For his pledge to enact strong new controls, Obama was honored with the following headline on the Fox News website. Obama prescription for economy? Regulation. Ah, regulation, one of the ultimate dirty words to the right wing. The devil is in the details, so who knows if a detailed Democratic plan will have teeth. We progressives have to join with the Progressive Democratic Caucus and push the entire Democratic Party to enact a new regulatory scheme with some sharp canines. The Democrats we can conceivably move to do this. The GOP is a totally hopeless cause. Up next, you'll hear a closing discussion on right-wing hypocrisy and greed, plus some final words on the well-deserved death of the free market. So you wear the vestments of ill-gotten legacy Bankrolled by CEOs and died by Christian destiny You give us empty words and flags to rally around But the rest of it don't seem to trickle down To streets of hopeless faces, mortgage and foreclosed Part-time jobs forsaken by the HMOs Sucking up the welfare when there's more to subsidize And they won't just go away if you ask nice Kill the poor, kill the poor Gonna cap right in their brain Ain't no room this utopia Rather than it ain't On the days are my soccer moms to clear your Just think about it. The right-wing hypocrisy in all this is amazing. They don't want adequate regulation, but they're still going to bail out the financial institutions to the tune of tens and possibly, ultimately, hundreds of billions of dollars. I'm talking about the bailout deal for Bear Stearns, the fifth largest investment firm on Wall Street, and the Federal Reserve's decision to allow big investment banks to borrow hundreds of billions of dollars through the Fed's so-called discount window. That option is normally reserved only for the heavily regulated commercial banks. Despite their constant ranting and raving against socialism, the right-wing conception seems to be privatized profit and socialized loss when large corporations are involved. As a Boston University professor put it, quote, 
the Bush administration practices socialized finance to save financial institutions from their own bad decisions and risky investments, but sees little value in a social safety net that would protect uninsured citizens from poor health and financial ruin. Close quote. You have to remember, above all, what we're talking about here. This isn't ultimately an arcane, policy-wonk discussion, irrelevant stuff about esoteric financial instruments created by PhD mathematicians and the best technical means to improve them? No, if you've listened to me at all, you know my breakdown of all right-wing behavior. It goes like this. Everything the right-wing does is designed to accomplish one of two things. Either A, transfer wealth from everyone else to the rich, or B, distract everyone else from the fact that A, that wealth transfer, is occurring. Social wedge issues like abortion, gay rights, flag burning, immigration, gun control, those are the distractions. Today, you've been hearing about one of the means of accomplishing the wealth transfer, the right-wing deregulation juggernaut. The purpose of deregulation, the goal of refusing to use the tools remaining, the intent behind failing to adapt to new financial instruments and to the entire shadow banking system, all of that is to allow to continue unimpeded, indeed to increase the already substantial transfer of wealth from everyone else to the rich. And you know what? Unfortunately, the right's efforts to transfer wealth to the super-rich are clearly working. You see the greatest income inequality since the Great Depression. Here are two jaw-dropping stats for you. The wealthiest 400 families have as much wealth as the bottom half of the nation, as much as 57 million American families. And for a Wall Street angle, how about this? Bonuses paid by the top five Wall Street firms in 2006 totaled more than twice the entire real annual earnings increases over the previous seven years of 93 million American workers. As Warren Buffett lamented, He's now the richest man in the world, but a progressive in his policy desires, as he lamented after hearing right-wing claims that the Democrats were guilty of class warfare, if class warfare is being waged in America, my class is clearly winning. To close, if you get one thing out of this podcast, let it be this. The free market that never really existed except in the minds of right-wingers. Yes, that free market, as a viable idea, as an ideological weapon, is dead. The other day's Wall Street Journal headline read, 10 Days That Changed Capitalism. That flagship conservative newspaper wrote, quote, The past 10 days will be remembered as the time the U.S. government discarded a half-century of rules to save American financial capitalism from collapse. On the Richter scale of government activism, the government's recent actions don't yet register at FDR levels. They're shrouded in technicalities and buried in a pile of new acronyms. But something big just happened. A Republican administration, not eager to be viewed as the second coming of the Hoover administration, showed it no longer believes the market can sort out the mess. Close quote. In other words, the free market works, except when it doesn't. Please do ask your friendly local right-winger, where's the free market correcting itself, self-regulating itself? 
Why isn't market discipline being allowed to do the job? Where, oh right-wingers, is that the government is the problem, not the solution, thought virus? Why is the right-wing embracing, not denouncing, Ronald Reagan's nine scariest words? I've always felt the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. This is the coup de grace, the indisputable final nail in the coffin for any pretense that we have or want a free market not subject to any government oversight and intervention. On health care or any other issue, if a right-winger dares to start pontificating to you about the free market, said him or her straight. Remember good old Rush? Roosevelt is dead. His policies may live on, but we're in the process of doing something about that as well. Sorry, old boy. Roosevelt's policies are not dead, Mr. Limbaugh. You failed miserably at destroying Social Security, and here you failed as well. Because the Bush proposal, for all its shortcomings, is an admission that government intervention is necessary. As, of course, is the Bush administration's ad hoc rescue of Bear Stearns and opening of the Fed's discount window to investment banks. It's you, Rush, who are headed, if you're not already there, for the dustbin of history. You and your entire right-wing cohort and accompanying monogram suitcase full of ideological claptrap. And much to your no-doubt horror rush, to the horror of all right-wingers, Roosevelt has been resurrected, a bit by the Bush administration, and even more so to come from Congress and a Democratic president if it's to be such. The fact is, Rush, you're the one who's dead, figuratively. Some of your policies may live on, but we progressives, not just here in the U.S., but all over the world, we're in the process of doing something about that as well. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right and vote for Blast the Right at Podcast Alley and write a five-star review for Blast the Right in iTunes. By the way, the Podcast Alley voting is working again. A special shout-out to all you Live 365 and Red Dragon 365 listeners. Great to have you on board. Why don't you come over to the podcast homepage, subscribe for free, and then you can download and listen to any episode of the podcast anytime you want. Here's your action alert. You can take steps to cancel third world debt, a critically important issue for progressives in the international arena. Go to jubileeusa.org, J-U-B-I-L-E-E, USA.org. An important vote in the full house will be taking place soon on HR 2634, the Jubilee Act. That website tells you who to call and write to. I forgot to thank Neats and Scott from your averageidiot.blogspot.com for help with last week's podcast. So thanks. And thanks for help this week to Neats and Kit from Rocky Mount, North Carolina. A correction. Stephen Johnson, the EPA head, is a career civil servant, not a right-wing political appointee, as I indicated last week. Either way, he's still going along with Bush's anti-environmental policies rather than resign on principle. Music credits. The break music you heard today was L.A. Nightmare by 22 Caliber, not the one blues by Bernsheet Thornside, 
We Can't Make It Here by James McMurtry, Taking My Country Back by Honky Tonkers for Truth, and Kill the Poor by Matthew Grimm in the Red Smear. We'll close with a little bit of Peter Finch playing Howard Beale in the classic film Network, combined with No Justice, No Peace by Wacky Avelli. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on my data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. Thanks as always to radio talk show host extraordinaire Tom Hartman for the Rush Limbaugh and Ronald Reagan audio clips. Believe it or not, I'm almost caught up with all the email, so keep it coming in. I love to hear from you. You can write to me at rational at roadrunner.com. You can also call and leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. Dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. You can also leave a message on Skype. My Skype name is Jack from Blast the Right. So until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls. You've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! (laughs) 